to Teledyne Advanced Chemistry Systems Tech Talk podcast. Our goal is to bring you useful information and offer solutions for your applications and analytical needs. Teledyne Advanced Chemistry Systems represents a group of companies existing of Teledyne Techmar, Teledyne SeaTech, Teledyne Lehman Lab, and Teledyne Hastings. Welcome back to the Evolution Podcast Series. Today, we're going to be discussing the mercury analyzers from Teledyne Lehman Labs. In this series, we're going to be discussing more about the history, markets, applications, and how the mercury analyzers actually impact our day-to-day lives. So with this, I would like to introduce Jeff Forsberg. Jeff Forsberg is the technical product manager here at Teledyne Lehman Labs. Welcome, Jeff. So, could you please just give us a little overview of yourself, background, education, and what you've been doing with mercury analyzers over the past years? Absolutely. Um, After high school, I uh, volunteered for um, service in the the Army, and then after that was over, went on to uh, university. Uh, from university, I graduated with a degree in chemistry, and then uh, my first uh, job was uh, at the University of North Dakota Energy Environmental Research Center as a uh, research chemist. I uh, was in that position for about eight years, and during that time, we developed clean coal technologies, and I was on the front line for the analytical work of all the research that was going on. And then uh, in 1998, I purchased a mercury analyzer from uh, SeaTech Technologies in Omaha, Nebraska. And a few weeks later, um, I got a phone call with a offer of a position in Omaha, Nebraska. So my wife and I uh, discussed it and came down for an interview. And shortly after, I accepted the position and uh, moved to Omaha. So I've been here since uh, 1998 as a uh, chemist and uh, different various positions. Uh, with the mercury analyzers. Well, thanks for that background, Jeff. It sounds like you do have a pretty extensive role played in the mercury product here. So let me get into some questions here that we might have for you. So everyone knows mercury is a heavy metal and it has potential harmful effects to human beings. But can you give us a little theory on what mercury analysis is? Why do we need it and what markets it plays into and how it helps us in our day to day roles? Well, mercury is a pollutant that has the ability to bioaccumulate in in, uh, the live tissue, in fish, and in different type of of, uh, tissues and so forth. So it's very problematic. Um, As it bioaccumulates, it's in the form of methylmercury, which is is very toxic. Um, So it's very important that we know the basis for the contamination so we can mitigate it and then eliminate or at least reduce the risk of contamination within humans and and fish and and other species that are very important uh, to to the global um, health. So, with that, what type of instrumentations go along with testing for mercury? 
Um, well, they they vary. Uh, typically, most laboratories would use a dedicated mercury analyzer for uh, reduction uh, for a lot of samples, uh, solids and, and semi-solids and solutions. So you typically have to digest a, a sample, get it into the HD2 plus form, and then we reduce that to HD0 and measure the unknown against a known calibration curve. Um, in the last few years, um, we've been migrating more toward combustion systems, which work well for solids and semi-solids, and they eliminate all the digestion processes. So you greatly speed the uh, sample in as received to sample out analysis um, values for um, a sample. Okay. So as instrumentation is being developed over time, obviously you stated your first memory of a mercury system was with your first job you ever had, what type of impact did it have on science at that time? Or what was it driving towards? Um, back, back then it was a lot of, uh, just basic analysis for, uh, drinking water and, and wastewater and, and the values for method detection limit, uh, and, or, uh, contamination for rec ray elements and so forth was quite high due to the limitation of the analytical, uh, techniques at the time. Uh, my first example of mercury analysis was with a atomic absorption system, um, that was from the late 1970s in using a Erlenmeyer flask, uh, with a, um, rubber stopper and import or a needle to inject the stannous chloride and then turn on the gas. And then just looking at a, uh, a dial on the instrument and writing down the highest point in absorbance units and, and using that for the basis for calibration and, and determination of the concentration in the unknowns. Uh, over the years, they've greatly improved. So we went from uh, PPM analysis with uh, basically method detection limits of anywhere from 0.2 to 0.5 um, uh, PPM or PPB, and then down to the PPT levels. We're now we're at trace levels, uh, typically less than 0.05 nanogram per liter uh, detection in a liquid sample. So what's driving that lowering the detection limits? Obviously, could it be regulations or is it just a certain part of the system that is advancing as technology advances? Well, what's actually driving it is more global awareness of contamination and how it affects our environment and, and the humans that live within that environment and the risk to our health and safety. Uh, so over the years, a lot of the research has migrated toward lower and lower uh, levels of, of contaminant. And that has driven the scientific community, instrument manufacturers and other scientists into uh, developing new techniques, new optics, uh, new electronics, and so forth to produce uh, more sensitive instruments. And also along with that, uh, cleaner techniques, uh, better um, laboratory practices to mitigate determinate errors within the laboratory system itself. 
uh, better training of scientists and and so forth. In in the old days, um, if you took a cap off a uh, a chemical bottle, you were taught to flip the cap so the open part of the lid lid was up toward the air above the bench. Nowadays, you'd flip it down so it's on a clean surface, on a clean towel or a chem wipe to mitigate contamination within that lid from particulates in uh, in the air. So we've changed our attitudes and how we do things within the laboratory to also not only with um, improvement in instrumentation, but uh, to improve our, our techniques as well to go from uh, PPM down to um, PPT levels. Okay. So with that, changes of the system over time, obviously you just stated it pretty well there. But when we start looking at certain methodologies where we go from, say we had to use a double gold trap, now we're down to a single gold trap. Can you speak a little bit about that? Uh, sure. So in in the 90s when uh, cold vapor atomic fluorescence was coming online and with the introduction of collection of the mercury onto a gold trap uh, forming an amalgam with the mercury and the, and the gold surface, um, we had very crude devices. So, for example, we would collect the sample on a gold trap and then we would desorb it to a second gold trap and then the values uh, from those would be recorded on an uh, integrator. Um, that was so we get the same peak area for each sample and to kind of normalize the analysis. As systems progressed, we found that there wasn't really a need for the second gold trap uh, just due to the improvements in the technique. So uh, going forward um, in the mid-2000s, most most analysis were done with just on a single gold trap. So you liberate the mercury out of the sample, it gets collected on a gold trap, um, and then that is desorbed and determination is made from that. So it got very precise over the years um, just to automation, uh, eliminated all of the the hand uh, uh, sampling of the, of the samples and so forth. So um, that was one big improvement of what happened with uh, cold vapor atomic fluorescence systems. So, Jeff, when you start talking about cold vapor atomic fluorescence systems, there's two types of systems on the market. Is that correct? Uh, that That's correct. Actually, we could consider three. So we're going to have cold vapor atomic fluorescence, uh, cold vapor atomic absorption, and combustion uh, atomic absorption systems. And here at Teledyne, we offer all three? This is true. That's correct. So with with impacts of mercury right now, where do we see our largest demographic or where do we see these systems going to? Uh, primarily, one of the big um, market uh, segments for mercury analysis is an environmental laboratory. So the environmental laboratory takes samples from all different markets. So it may be... Um, 
contamination, mitigation of contamination in the environment, Superfund sites. It may be uh, a large project that's that's uh, being implemented, such as a mall or a housing area or something like that, where they need to have some base baseline analysis of metals and trace metals and so forth prior to getting the permits uh, to implement those type of projects. Um, it could be in uh, research, uh, academics, uh, where they're working on, on different projects or just learning more about how the um, global cycles work for contamination, the air currents, um, the, the water currents and so forth. Everything has a cycle, everything moves because we are totally connected globally. So what happens in one part of the world eventually will affect another part of the world. So that's why it's so important to uh, look at um, not only the macro systems, but also the, the micro systems within our environment. So with that said, Jeff, obviously with your tenure here at Teledyne Lehman Labs and previously Teledyne SeaTac, as we go forward with these mercury systems, we went from PPM levels, now we're down to ultra trace PPT levels. Where do you see these mercury systems going in the next five or 10 years? What's your ultimate end goal if... If you could drive a brand new system, would it be kind of like a, a tricorder that tells you anything and everything, or what would it be? You know, I that's that's a that's a hard question to answer. Actually, at the uh, parts per trillion level, um, it's going to be a large task to get be less than that just because at this point we're probably at background analysis within our environment so if you try to drive it lower than that i'm not sure if it would be a benefit to actually analysis of 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 samples at lower than ppt Okay, completely understand that. So as, as we continue to look forward over these five, 10 years to, to advance, obviously, will there still be a need for mercury systems as other technologies improve? Or are mercury systems, since they're so dedicated and have such specific methods, there will always be a need? I, I actually think there's always going to be a need for standalone uh, mercury analysis instrumentation, simple because in your ICP, MS, and, and different techniques like uh, GC and so forth, uh, the detection limits aren't quite there. And then there's also uh, interferences that are inherent with uh, those type of techniques where the standalone mercury systems, especially the gold trap systems, either the combustion, atomic absorption, or, or uh, 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 fluorescence uh, systems with gold are truly the best on the market. All inf interferences are mitigated through the systems because we're only looking at the mercury that's collected on the gold trap and then that's desorbed into the analytical path. So it is the best technique. I just really don't see us being able to improve on that technique with some of the other instrumentations. Okay, I completely understand that. So 
Before we close this out, Jeff, I, I want to ask you a two-part question here. Currently, what type of applications are you working on right now, and what would be your dream application to do? Huh. That is a good question. I figured it would stump you a little bit. My, my, my dream right now. I'm working on uh, extractions for combustion analysis to improve our our uh, portfolio for mercury analysis and different samples and species. Um, I've also worked on some. Uh, thermal desorption so I can look at inorganic species using the combustion atomic absorption system but my dream application uh, would probably to look at some air analysis and see if I can discern different concentrations with the air in in different um, environments, whether it's a stagnant type environment, maybe downstream from a um, utilities, coal-fired utilities plant or high up in the mountains uh, and and so forth, and maybe even at, at sea level to try to look at where the mercury in elemental form on dust particulates and different uh, forms, modes of transportation, uh, how it circulates um, um, through our environment. Gotcha. That sound that does sound like a good project, but it also sounds like you'd be traveling to all these wonderful places to ensure that you're getting the samples collected correctly. Is that is that is that a little motive behind that? That that was my thought process. Yes, <laughs> with a high emphasis on the sea level beach. Gotcha. I completely understand. So with that question in there, Jeff, um, I want to thank you for your time um, for coming on the Evolution Series podcast today for Teledyne Lehman Labs. So with the next podcast, we'll be switching over to Teledyne Techmore, and we're going to be looking at the evolution of TOC, total organic carbon, and how we move through that history. So until next time, I want to thank Jeff again and speak to you shortly. Thanks for listening to the Tax Tech Talk podcast. For more information about our products and the solutions we offer, please visit www.teledyneacs.com. If you like this podcast, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing this show. That way you'll never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time.